0: Joshua chapter six, and uh, just a just a thought this morning, uh, this evening, as uh, we get into the the word of God, and honestly tonight I, I uh, had been preparing a message for the teenagers, and uh, realized that uh, that Brother EJ won't be here. If you could pray for him, he's uh, he's preaching at a youth camp in Good Shepherd Baptist Church their annual youth camp. He's their guest speaker. And so I pray for him and I've been communicating with him through the day and he seems like it's going really well. And I was joking around with our teenagers and I said, look, we really need to pray for Brother EJ because he's preaching to Queenslanders, all right? And they just need more revival than we do. But uh, but it's been going well. And uh, so continue to pray for him. Pray for his family. Uh, just pray for Doris and the children. And uh, so I've just heard that the kids aren't doing very well. They're, they're Quite sick, so just pray for them. And if you could just drop a line, or or just drop by and and be a blessing that way. Um, Joshua chapter six, and we're going to look at verses seventeen to nineteen. And and I'm just going to talk about this matter of timing. And you know, um, like tonight, I, I just I guess got to trust in the Lord's timing that He didn't remind me about the fact that we're up to the book of Ephesians really tonight, but really was preparing for, for our young people. But he gave me something here that I hope uh, would be a help to you. But it, it life is a, is a matter of timing, isn't it? Now, someone once said that timing is everything. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, my family and I, we had scheduled a, a time away. And we were heading over to the States for a number of weeks. It was our, really our long service leave. And so we were heading over there, and I remember my wife telling me that that it, you know, we really needed to lock down some sort of travel card so that we don't get charged um, charged any fees over there when we make purchases. And so I said, you know, look into it. And so she looked into it, and, and she found a card where the rate, the the US um, and, and Australian dollar exchange could get locked in on the day that you purchase the card. And so I t- she told me about it, and I said, look, just just hold on. Because, you know, like the dollar's in, in pretty good shape. I reckon it's going to go up. And, you know, this is me talking. I'm an economics major, right? And I'm telling her, no, no, the dollar's going to go up. And so I, wait. I told her, wait another couple of weeks. And so she did. She waited. Um, she submitted to me at that point. And, and at that point, when she wanted to buy that, that card, it was at 87 cents, something like that. And so, finally, I said, um, a couple of weeks, and she had been telling me, sweetie, the, the dollar's falling. The dollar's falling. I said, no, no, no. That's just a, just a blip. Right? Watch next week. It'll, get, it'll be a dollar next week. One dollar to one dollar. And so, she kept saying, no, no, I'm watching it. It's, it's going lower and lower. And I said, no, no, trust me. Trust me. it'll." And by the end of it, we were two days out, and I had just forgotten about it, to be honest. And she said, oh, I need to buy it now. And from $0.87, cents, it had gone down to $0.70. Cents. And it was a matter of timing. I should have listened to my wife, all right? Story of my life. Can some of the men back me up there, all right? But should have listened. But it's a matter of timing. Sometimes we, because the fabric of our life is, is built into it, is time, sometimes there's some things we just don't know what may come up. And, and sometimes we can look back and go, Boy, I wish I had done that, or I wish I hadn't done that. It was a matter of timing. I wish I had done that earlier. I wish I had waited a bit more. And, and there's, there, is, there is in the fabric of how we work, in the, uh, how, how the, the li- our lives work, part of it is, is just timing. And, uh, and timing is everything. And God, God builds into the fabric of His will timing. Getting the timing right. He wants us to do things in the right way at the right time. And it's imperative that we have the sensitivity to the Spirit of God and His Word, really, so we don't miss the right timing of things. And I observed through the Scripture here just a couple of occasions where someone perhaps got their timing a bit off or, or their timing uh, was a little, a little out of sync with, with God's timing uh, for these people um, and so we're going to look at Joshua chapter six, firstly, and look at the example of, of Achan. And this is really what piqued my interest as as we were, as I was thinking about this. And, and something that was mentioned last week during some devotional time uh, during Canberra connection. But Joshua chapter six, you know the story. This was uh, this was after their conquest of of Jericho, and Jericho was now conquered. The walls had fallen down. And part of what God told the people there, because it was the first city. That they were going to conquer in the promised land was to leave, of the, leave the accursed thing, those things that were spoils, right? So look at verses 17. Look at Joshua chapter 6. Look at verse 17. And, and the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all, uh, all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing lest you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are con- consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so they were instructed that when, when the walls come tumbling down and you're going in, the, the, the spoils of the city, which normally a conquering, um, a conquering uh, army could just go partake. He was saying, because this is Jericho, this is the first city Those things are mine. Those things are to go to the treasury. You are not to take of those. And you understand that what happened when Achan went in there, along with the the rest of the Israelite army, he went and he saw some goodly Babylonish garments, and he took those and he hid them amongst his own stuff. And so it's interesting there that that there's this one man, and you know the story. uh, Look at chapter 7 and verses 1 and 2. Notice here, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. So the next battle front was now Ai, another city. This was a small city, which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel. And spake unto them, saying, go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And when they viewed Ai, they understood that this wasn't much of a city in comparison to Jericho, their first conquest. And so uh, so Joshua's mentality was, why should I send the whole army? I'll just send a band of men to go and conquer this city. It's not much. And so they go over there. But unknown to him, there was sin in the camp. And what happened? 36 men died as a result. And there was great loss. It was a humiliating loss to this great army, this great conquering army of Israel, and so he comes back. He he weeps before God. God tells him, "Get up. It's not time to weep. No, you need to check because there's sin in the camp." And so you know the story. Achan was dealt with, and then sadly for him also, not only was there a loss of life for him, a loss of life for his family. They were all, they were all uh, judged, and they were all killed as a result of his sin. But then notice what God tells him in chapter 8. Chapter 8, look at verses 1 and 2. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not. So now this time He's saying, Joshua, go, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee. And arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. And notice verse 2. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king only. The spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. And notice the contrast there. He's saying in Jericho, don't take. In Jericho, leave the spoils. But now in Ai, take all the spoils. He, 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 his timing was off. If, if, if Achan only waited until the next battle... He could have taken all the spoils. You understand that, that, that this was a grave mistake, but it was really a mistake of timing. You know that, that as, as God was preparing the nation of Israel to leave Egypt and go into this journey into the promised land, that He told the ladies in Exodus 3.22, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughter, daughters. And, Ye shall spoil, notice there, ye shall spoil the Egyptians. And so right from the beginning, God knew that to finance the, their ability to go and, and, and conquer and then, and then set, settle themselves and settle the promised land was they needed to grab, so grab as much as they could their Egypt. So it wasn't like this was, this was God's pattern for them to withhold any good thing from them. He had told them from the beginning there as they left Egypt to go and spoil the Egyptians, go and take as much as you can, because in his mindset, this was part of his provision. And so for them to come in now, and, and now they're facing Jericho, God had told them, don't. But then later on, God tells them in Ai, do. And, and, and that's just the, the, the timing of God. Sometimes God allows something to be appropriately taken when it's the right time. And here's a principle, firstly, as we think about this matter of timing. See, sometimes the right timing means that we wait until God tells us to take what He says to withhold from. Sometimes God says withhold, but then in His timing He says, no, now take. Alright, sometimes God allows something to be appropriately taken when it's the right time. And again, if you notice in our example, Achan was told to withhold and then later on, after his sin caused the loss of lives and then cost him his life, the rest of the army, the rest of, these, of the Israelites was told to take of the spoils. So if Achan had just waited a little longer, if he had just waited until the next battle, one more battle, then he could have taken of the spoils and not seen the loss of life. So just think about that. Sometimes the right timing means that we wait until God tells us to take what He says to withhold from. And, and you know, it's like that, uh, it's like that in, in the marriage situation, isn't it? You know, uh, and, and here's where I was gearing this to, to the young people. You know, sometimes young people, uh, you could be, you could be uh, taken into the mentality of the day where it says, whatever you feel like, just do it. You know, you could be taken into... Uh, we can be taken into as, as people of God, that we just, we just, whatever is seen before our eyes, then we can just go and partake of it. And it might be a good thing. It might be something that will supply for our future. It might be something that will supply for, uh, for a, uh, maybe even a future need or a current need. But sometimes God's timing is this, withhold, Don't take it. And unbeknownst to us, around the corner is His right timing. And we say no now. Take it. You see, sometimes young people uh, buy into the into the mentality, and, and we can buy into the mentality that we just take now whatever we can. And it could be in this uh, this area of, of marriage. You know, part of the marriage, the package of marriage, is physical intimacy. And you know, um, you you single uh, single Christians here, you know, you might think, boy. Um, but but I know I'm going to marry them anyway. I know I'm going to. I know that they're the right person for me. Then then why 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 wait till the marriage day, until we have physical intimacy? But you know what God's saying to you right now? He's saying withhold, abstain, be pure. A- and God's timing for you right now, the right timing is that we, you withhold. But you know what? The same people. The same people like, like your pastor, like, like those around you, the, your parents perhaps, those who are good influences in your life who are saying, withhold now, will be the same people in the right time who will say, enjoy it, it's a blessing of God. You understand? You know, it might be that, you're, uh, that you young people, you're being pressured into uh, some sort of uh, immoral uh, situation. And I want to remind you that God's expectation is that right now you abstain. You are to abstain from, from that kind of a relationship and you are to wait until it's the right time. See, it's a matter of timing. God built into uh, the marriage relationship this, this drive, this attraction. And yet He tells us in First Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And listen, uh, listen. listen that you might think that's funny today, and you might think, boy, why would you need to mention that? It's awkward, preacher. Listen, it's still in the Word of God. And you better abstain. That is the right thing to do. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you've graduated out of high school. I don't care if you're, if you're single, and, and God has not given you the, 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 the mandate to marry. Then God said, don't touch, abstain, be pure. And the right timing. But see, later on, he says, he says in in, um in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. He's saying that later on, marriage in this in in the timing of marriage, then that is he's saying it's honorable and a bed undefiled. And you know, it's sad today that, that we sort of minimize. Uh, minimize purity and minimize all of that. And, and you understand that God is able to restore. If, if you've sinned in that way and you get that right before God and get that right before those who you've uh, let down and you've disappointed, you ought to have, a, you ought to have a, a mentality, and each and every one of us have a mentality, that there also ought to be restoration there. There ought to be forgiveness there. But you understand that it's better not to make that mistake in the first place. Wait. Wait. See, the same people, again, that that t- will tell you to withhold. You know what? They'll be the same people who will say it's going to be a blessing to you. And, and you, you, as parents and as, as leaders, uh, we ought not to just uh, allow our, our those underneath us and ourselves to just indulge in the current without seeking and clarifying God's timing in the matter. You see, it's uh, it's like the... The walls of Jericho, as well, in this story, you think about what they had to do in the battle plan that God shared for them. Remember, for, for days, they had to walk around that, uh, that, uh, that great city and they couldn't shout. Remember that? They couldn't make a noise. And you understand, when, when it's uh, these men were trained warriors, and part of that was to be aggressive, and part of aggression was to let it out with a, with a battle cry, right? With a bit of a aggression there. And so it was going against their nature, against their, their, their built-in desires to just be silent and walk as they endured the mocking of those, uh, those, those uh, the, the men and soldiers of Jericho. They, they no doubt uh, shouted abuse and shouted some things against them. This was a battle after all. It's not really like how we see it sometimes. We think that the nation of Israel was and the army was going around silently and, and those in Jericho were just waiting there silently. No, it wasn't like that. No, those in Jericho would have been hurling abuse at them. They would have been saying some things. It would have been really against their nature to just say something back. It would, it would have really, um, really taken some, some great obedience and discipline to withhold their shout. But then later on when God said so, They did so, and that they had to put put all their vigor into it. You understand, it's the same situation here. At one point, God was saying, withhold. And then in the right time, He's saying, no, do all you can. (laughs) And you know, doing what comes naturally, that, that inbuilt good desire, it must be paired with the right timing of things. And if Achan had merely waited and resisted His natural inclinations. He would have saved Himself. He would have saved His family. And He would have saved the nation of Israel loss. And God in Himself gain. And really that's the cost involved when you don't wait for the timing of God. There's a loss to you. There's there's a loss that you'll never regain. It's like purity. When you've lost it, you've lost it. You'll never regain that. And whilst you you will have the forgiveness of God if you would confess and ask for mercy, whilst He will restore you, that will never be again. There's a loss there. And so sometimes the right timing means that we withhold, but then later on we're able to take. And so there's the first example. Look at the next one. Turn with me to Exodus now, chapter 17. Turn with me to Exodus 17. So remember Achan. He just needed to wait a little longer. He just needed to go to the next battle. He just needed to withhold for this time. Then the next next example here that we see is is Moses. In Exodus chapter 17, and and notice here in, in verses 1 to 3, and there's a couple of times we're going to mention Moses. And, and, and here's the first one I just want to bring up. This is later down the track. They're now in the wilderness. Uh, as you know, in the wilderness at times there's, there's a lack of, of basic supplies. And in this situation, they were thirsting. There was no water. And in verses 1 to 3, the Bible says this, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. So when you're journeying in the wilderness, no matter how many days, you'd be thirsty. They, they wouldn't be able to carry, as we do at times when we journey and, and scale uh, different uh, terrain, uh, some water. They weren't able to do that. There was no water there. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses. They complained and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide you with me? Wherefore, do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for, for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children, our cattle, with thirst? And so they were thirsting. It's a natural thing to, to ask for water when you're thirsty. And here's Moses. He had no, no real recourse there. Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel... And thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. So he's saying, bring your rod and do this. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And notice, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because the children of, the, uh, of uh, the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord amongst us or not? And so what happened was right there before a rock, before the congregation, before the elders of Israel, God tells them, bring your rod and strike the rock. So He struck the rock. You know the rest of the story. Water comes gushing out and they were able to drink. God rescues them. But then notice another situation here. they in a similar situation. Go to Numbers chapter 20. Look at Numbers chapter 20. And now in verses 7 to 11... There's a situation, again, the people were complaining. This is many years later. A- and, and again, the people were, were complaining about another situation, even though they've already seen over and over again that God was going to supply for this impossible circumstance that they were facing. And yet they complain again in verse 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, To so Moses goes to God again. And here's now the instruction years later on. Take thy rod... And gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron, thy brother. And notice this. And speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water. Thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the, the con- congregation and their beasts drink. And so the first time, he says, strike the rock. The second time, he says, speak to the rock. And what does Moses do? Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear ye you now, you rebels. He was was heated up. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And you know, the water came out abundantly. And the congregations drink, and their beasts also. But then the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. And you know what happened here was the first time God said, smite the rock. The second time God told him, speak to the rock. And he did the first thing, he smote the rock, but he did it twice. And God in his mercy still let water out, but it resulted in a loss for Moses into entering the promised land. And here's a principle that I want to teach in this regard. See, the right timing means that we choose the right action for the circumstance. The right timing means we choose the right action for the circumstance. And, And although the circumstance may be similar, we need to have the right timing of things to know what the right action is to take. See, often the right action comes with simple obedience to God's command. We saw that there... He was instructed. But you know what? As Moses, even the meekest man to have ever walked the earth, even he had his limits. And because he let his emotion, and because he let the circumstance overwhelm him, he took a misstep and it was a mistiming of action. He smote it. (laughs) He should have spoken to it. And that cost him his ticket to the promised land. See, the circumstances that you face may also dictate what is appropriate course of action. I, I think about the verses in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. But then the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And so the circumstances sometimes dictates how we respond but, you know, the right timing means that we're going to choose the right action for the circumstance. I think about what Esther had to face, and I think we referred to this Sunday night, but in Esther 4.14, where Mordecai was challenging her again, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. See, many times Esther held her peace. That, that, was, that was, what was what was required of her as the queen, where she doesn't just approach the king with, with, with casualness, she had to reverence the king. And it, as part of that package, she just had to remain silent until she was spoken to. And so this was part p- for, uh, for a queen, just that, that she would just hold her peace. But Mordecai is intimating to her, at this time though, if thou holdest thy peace. So he's saying the appropriate action right now is to speak up, Esther. And he's saying, who knoweth? Whether thou art come in the kingdom for such a time as this. The circumstance right now, Esther, the timing of it is this, you speak up. And so we must act according to God's moving. Not what makes sense. Not what what we do in the heat of the moment. We've got to be under the control of the Spirit of God if we're going to be able to act accordingly in the right time. We need to be according to God's moving. You know, often we act in a way that may have been appropriate for another occasion, but not this occasion. Men, you you ever said something that was right to your wife, but it was just the wrong time? (laughs) She had a rough day. She had a tough day, and and there were some things that, that were left undone, and you, it was right for you to say, but it was the wrong timing. The, the right action should have been, sweetie, you look stressed. Are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? And, and maybe the action, the, the, the circumstance should have dictated how you responded to that. And, and you know, there's times to scold. And there's times to show mercy. And to know that, you're going to need to, to be under the Spirit's control. I think about Jesus who was, who was challenged with the, with the Pharisees there and, and there was a woman caught in adultery. And at that moment, Jesus knowing the heart of this woman, already knowing her guilt. As you remember what He did, He bowed, He, he sort of, Crouched down on the ground. He was writing a couple of things. And all he said was, those who are without sin, cast the first stone. And you know, those men silently, they were ready to stone this woman, judge her for her sin. But Jesus knew what what was appropriate. It was the timing of it. And the timing was mercy. And you know what happened? That woman, Jesus simply told her, you know, go and sin. He recognized the sin. Go and sin no more. And I just think that if you, if you look at that, the Scripture will bear out for us that that woman went and she went from her sin and she was able to just then live. <laughs> and you understand, sometimes it's a time to scold, but sometimes it's time, it's time for mercy. And the right timing means that we choose the right action for the circumstance. Boy, how many, how many things have we have we said that might have been rightful? God may even have just in His mercy used it, but it was just in the wrong timing. How many, have we, how many people have we discouraged with truth that was just in the wrong time? How many people have we, have we derailed in their uh, momentum for God because simply we weren't, we weren't sensitive to the Spirit of God and the timing of it all? How many times have we, have we scolded when we should have been merciful? How many times have we acted when we should have really withheld? You see, the right timing means that we're going to choose the right action for the circumstance. But then lastly, look at, look at Exodus chapter 2 now and Moses again. We're not picking on him, but you know, it just seemed like there was, a, there was some timing issues at times with Moses' life. And, and I just think if Moses is guilty of this, then at times we can be guilty of it as well. In Exodus chapter 2, look at, uh, look at verses 11 to 15. And, and you know the story of Moses. This is really at the beginning of, of his journey now into the wilderness to be really called the deliverer. Uh, prior to that, no, no doubt, because of the fact that he was a Hebrew and he was in a position, there were some things that were foretold about him that was he was going to be the deliverer. Uh, there was an indication because of the miraculous rescue of this young child that him going up in the, in the Egyptian palaces as he did he was going to be used of God somehow to be the deliverer. And I think Moses had some sort of understanding about that. But then notice what happens here in verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out into his brethren, and that's the Hebrews, and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. So one of the, the Egyptian uh, soldiers or guards was being harsh, was, 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 uh, slaying, uh, was going to go ahead and smite. Another Hebrew, and then notice, he looked this way, and he looked that way. Coast is clear. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out, the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him, that did, that did the wrong. Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. And he knew he was the deliverer, but he did the delivering by his own mind. He he manipulated and he went ahead of God's timing for his life. He knew he was the promised deliverer, and yet he took it into his own hands to do it and we know later on that God will send him back after years in the wilderness there. He sends him back and he actually rescues the, the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. But at this point, he took, he took the timing in his own hands. And here's a principle. The right timing means we wait for the promise to be accomplished and not enforce it in our own strength. Has God ever told you something that was, that was part of His will for your life? Has God ever shown you in Scripture just some things that, 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 you know, God was going to do something in your life? I hope that's the case. I hope that as you've prayed, God has shown you some things through His Word, through counsel. But, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen tomorrow. You think about what happened with, with Abraham. Remember, Abraham was promised that he was going to be a father of many nations, of a great nation of many people. And yet he was getting on in age, and the promise still hadn't come. And Sarah, because of her fear, worried, and so she concocted a plan with Hagar, her maid, her maid and, and, uh, and allowed Moses to have child with her. And the result of that was Ishmael thinking that Ishmael was going to be the promised son. Yeah, God, what, what did God, God do? God said, No, it's not Ishmael. And God miraculously later raises a child, him a hundred, her eighty. And it was Isaac. But again, uh, the the cause uh, the, the cause of friction between Ishmael, and the sons uh, the, the sons of promise Israel, is still warring today. It's still raging today. And it cost him something. And understand that that really what he was doing was he was trying to enforce the promise in His own strength. He was trying to do it His way. The promise was right, but the timing was wrong. And I think about another example. Look at John chapter 6. And they're the people of the day in, in, in Jesus' time. They were looking for the coming Messiah as prophesied in the Old Testament. Them living in that time, they were looking for a political king, someone that could... could, could Uh, take them out of the the rulership of Rome, and uh, out comes Jesus, and Jesus is the Messiah, we understand that. But His first coming wasn't for uh, an earthly kingdom. His first coming was for a spiritual kingdom, you understand. And so they see the miracles though, and in this particular one, there was a miracle of the loaves and the fishes, and so some men see Him, and we pick it up in verse 11. Look at verse 11, uh, sorry, verse 14. And so they see the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And, and isn't it funny that, that, that they see this man who was giving out benefits and they think, boy, he'll make a good leader. So just like today, you know, the leaders who can give out the most benefits, boy, they'll be a good leader. And so they see this, uh, th- this Jesus. And verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. He's the Messiah. And then when Jesus therefore perceived, notice this, that they would come and take Him by force to make Him a king, He departed again into a mountain Himself alone. You know, He understood that He was the Messiah. Jesus knew that. By very fact that He was God, He was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He knew that He was the Messiah as prophesied, just that everyone else didn't understand the timeline. This wasn't the time for Him to be the king politically and earthly. This was a, a, a time where he was going to die. They was going to shed his precious blood and make a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God. And yet they were going to take him, notice the wording there, by force and make him king. But it wasn't the time yet. Later, later on we know that, that he, he allows in John chapter 12, verses 11 to 15, uh, those who, who, who would worship him, those who would reverence him as king, They would lay down the palm leaves, a coronation uh, somewhat, as He rides on the back of the donkey, as He rides through the streets of Jerusalem, and He receives it then. But really, that was the beginning of the end, so to speak, as it leads to His death later on. His purpose. His purpose for the first time He comes. And so, we understand that although the promise was true for Christ, and although the promise was true for Moses, and although the promise was true of Abraham, it just wasn't the time. It just wasn't the time then. And you know, sometimes when God has placed a good thing in our hearts and a good thing to do, sometimes we can get in the rush and get ahead of God and do things by force when really we should have just waited and gone the appropriate way. Gone through the process of time. Gone through the right process. It's, it's like... You know, sometimes uh, young people can get into the rush to find romance and find the one. And they can get in a rush and get into a really bad relationship and they've circumvented their parents. They've circumvented their, their, those who are in spiritual authority over them. They've not gotten counsel and they get themselves in a mess. And if it doesn't end in some immorality, it ends in emotional wreckage. And you know what's happened? They had a good desire that God built in them. But what happened was they didn't wait. They enforced. And it could have even been. Maybe it could have been the right person, but they got into a rush. And maybe they should have just waited a year or two. Maybe they should have waited just a little bit longer for the timing of God. How many couples got married too young? And they went through great heartache because they were too immature for that moment, they were the right person. It was right, it was the right motive in a in sense of, of they, they knew it was God's will, but the timing was off. They should have waited and it would have saved them some heartache. It would have saved them some of that, some of those uh, those problems that immaturity often brings and and what I'm saying is when we do things out of step with God's timing, even when it is promised, we hinder God's work being fully accomplished and, and really that's what happened for uh, for, for Moses for a while. That's what happened with Abraham for a while. There was meant to be a smoothness about the rescue. There was meant to be a smoothness about Isaac. God knew His timing. They should have just waited. There's a smoothness in, 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 in and a, a plan in God's uh, economy of things where one day, where the Bible tells us in Revelation 5.13, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under, uh, under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. He will be king. He will be crowned one day. But at that point, it was going to be done by force. And you know, sometimes we can take into those things, the, the, the good things in our lives that God gives to us as promises. If we're not careful, we do it by force and we ruin. And we don't fully see the accomplished will of God in our lives. We, We must stay in step. It's like missionaries being sent out who are novices. They go out without proper, without proper blessing from the local church. I was. You hear it over and over again in different places around the world, missionaries who, who, who go to the field, and they didn't go in with any sort of blessing from their local church. And they ruin they, they what could have been, should have been, a very good thing for the gospel. They come back heartbroken. They, they come back disappointed. When all that time they were saying, just wait. Just go through the right process. Serve in your local church. Be faithful. See some fruit. Honor that. Honor the process of things. And if we're not careful, we can rush into a good thing and ruin what God had totally planned. It's timing. You know, it's it's like um, it's like those ones who who um, again again. You know, often circumventing God's authority structure is sometimes, sometimes how this is manifested. You know, God, God builds into our lives safeguards to indicate timing for us. And, and you know, sometimes, and you know this as parents, sometimes you say no, not that it's a bad thing that they asked, but it's because it's just not good for them right now. You say no. But you know what? If, if that young person goes around you and just does it anyway, you know it's going to hurt them. And you know, it's like that, uh, like that in, in, in many areas of, of, the, of the Christian life. God builds in authority structures, even in the local church, so that when you do something that you desire to do that's good, maybe it's just not the right time. Maybe they'll say no because not just yet. Why don't you wait? And we better be, be careful to enforce it in our own strength and the right timing goes out the window. You know, I've heard of so many, again, missionaries who went through a great deal of chastening because they did things by force. I know of a particular missionary in, in the Philippines who has gone through some just real chastening. And, and it's not like this was, this was forming them. This was just chastening and you know, when it came down to it, when I spoke to them, they left their church and the pastor said no, but they just went anyway. Without blessing. And you know, I feel for that man. I know him, I know him uh, somewhat quite well. And he has a good heart. He, he wants to serve God. But you can trace it all the way back to the poor timing. You know what, the, the, when you speak to that pastor who who. who who he came out of, you know, the the pastor just said, you know, he could have waited another two years. That's all I asked. Two years we would have fully been behind him. All I said was wait. All I said was not yet. All I just said was just wait until it's the right time where the church can be behind you. And sadly, sadly that missionary is struggling through and it's like one work, just diminishes after another work, and I feel for him. And I'm not saying he's he's wicked. I'm just saying he just, it was the wrong timing. But it manifested in circumventing the authority structures that God has so clearly placed to safeguard that kind of thing. You know, what we need to do is know the will of God and wait patiently for Him to orchestrate the performance of it. You know, young people, you might, you might be praying for the right person. Um, adults, you might be praying for the will of God and God has revealed some things. You need to consider the timing. Is this the right time? I need to ask. I need to get counsel. I, I need to make sure that, that those around me who care for me and who love me, who God has placed as, a, as buffers for those kind of mistakes... They are in agreement that this is the right time. And I think about Paul who, who was forbidden to go, and, and then later on he sees an opening there in Macedonia. And what he did was this he just allowed God to tell him no. He allowed it. He allowed that. He didn't force the issue. He, he waited until God allowed something to happen. And again, we gotta just we gotta find the will of God. We also just got to leave the will of God in His hand to orchestrate and perform it. We're meant to just simply obey as He allows. I think about Philippians 2.13, and I think this verse applies to this whole thing. For it is God which worketh in you, both uh, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. For it is God. It's not about our timing. You no, know, we get in trouble when we're hasty and when we're in a rush it's not about our timing it's about God's timing it's about his will and I'm saying is that your good intentions will never be an excuse for your bad decisions good intentions there's a, there's a whole pile of of broken things that were a result of good intentions but your good intentions will never be an excuse for your bad decisions Timing is everything. We need to wait patiently on the Lord and be sensitive to His instruction for us. We need to be sensitive to moment by moment, day by day. And we need to just ensure our timing is aligning to God's timing. And young people, I just want to say this to you kindly tonight. Don't rush. Don't rush. Wait patiently on on the Lord. Don't rush into the pressures of, oh, I'm getting older, I need to get married. <laughs> don't, don't rush into the mentality that, oh. And you know, there's well-meaning people, and, and maybe even myself sometimes will joke around with you. But you just wait on the Lord. You, you just make sure that even the good desires, the good intentions, are, are just paired with the timing of God for your life. You know, maybe God's put a, a, a mission field, a, a calling. God's put a ministry on your heart. Don't manipulate situations. Allow God to work it out. Let Him do the performing of it. You know what? If you do that in the timing that God has for you, it'll ensure that there won't be any loss. It'll only be gain for you. And that's what you want, church, right? We want gain for us. We, don't want to, we, don't, we just want to do it God's way. We're, we're the people of God's Word. And we better just follow through and, and just allow Him to sometimes say no. So later on, He can say yes with all of His might. we we got to allow God to say wait so that later on, it's the right timing and you'll get the full profit of it all. All right? It's a matter of timing. Let's pray. Father God, thank You. For your word and thank you, dear God, for just the Lord, just the examples that we were able to just look through tonight. And Father, Lord, we can play the game of just continually looking back and thinking, "Boy, did I get that right? That was the timing." But really, Lord, what's the past is the past. And Lord, as we look forward now into our futures that you have planned for us, pray that you'd help us to trust you and wait patiently upon you. God, you be the one to orchestrate and perform the doing of it. I think about our young people here tonight. Many of them making massive decisions about their future. And yet, Lord, you, there's some things that you're just withholding from them that are good things. And, Lord, I pray that they just wait upon you for those things. I pray, dear God, that you just help us, Lord, to be people that will be sensitive to your spirit's moving and working and leading in our hearts and lives. And we pray and ask these things in Christ, most precious, holy, wonderful name.